Way, as they used to say in the old movies that were quite racist. Uh, so I'll not use that phrase ever again. Um, we are actually in as as oh, Mexico City. There we go. <laughs> as Pacatasalco, Mexico City, Mexico, Arena Cajedo de Mexico. And um, yeah, we're watching Triple Mania, as you probably realized. Um, Triple Mania is a show we look at every year. We try and look at every year. And this year to join me is Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I don't get to talk about Triple A very often, so this is quite fun. No, that's it. It's, um, it isn't something we normally go with because, you know, there's so much else going on and we tend to be known for doing our Japanese stuff. So Lucha is something we... We dip in and out of from time to time when something is intriguing. So we're going to start with the opening match, uh, which kind of tells you where AAA is. Um, Marvel, the comic book and film company of, you know, uh, the X-Men and um, Avengers fame, actually have a co-promotion deal with AAA. And... Team Leander Americana, Le- Leander Americana and Elcano, along with La Estrella Cosmica, defeated Team Terra Papara, that's Terra Papara, El Ven- Ven- Venonseed, and Le Pequado Lital. So <clears throat> that's really Captain America. Uh, Arcano, well, I can't remember who Arcano was. Spider Man Cap- and uh, Captain Marvel. Yes, sir, Captain Marvel. Um, Thanos, Venom, and uh, uh, Loki. Nah, Loki appeared as a vignette thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Hulk came down to help out uh, Lily and Americanas. And distract Thanos. Uh, The the Hulk mask is fucking hilarious. (laughs) I mean, this is this is just kind of like this is also done in a proper traditional lucha style as well. So all of these um, characters are like proper like lucha style outfits with lucha style boots and lucha style masks and everything. Even Thanos doesn't have his, he has his glove to walk down to the ring, but the the actual jewels are on a belt. So it's ace. It's really really well done. Um, what could be a bit of an issue is the fact that um, El Hijo del Vikingo, Lady Maravilla, Octagon Jr., Sexy Star, Brian Cage, and Taurus playing these particular parts, most of whom were active later on the card, which could be a bit of an issue. But that's not foreshadowing, thankfully. Um, But yeah, this was fun. It was just like, this is the kind of thing Vince would like to do, but he wouldn't have control over it, so he'd hate it. No, it was it was just nice. It, it reminded me of the um, anime matches you got to open New Japan shows, like when you'd have ta- the Tiger Masks battling. But if you take another established property and make it your own for 
just a fun opening bout full of really reckless spots. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there was. I mean, um, Alacano, who's Spider Man, came down to the ring using a zip wire. That was kind of fun, and did all sorts of Arachna-based offense, a la Brad Armstrong as Arachna Man in 1992, which WCW got sued for, so we had to stop being Arachna Man. Um, yeah, they, this was, I mean, the fact that they've got a, a cross-promotion deal with Marvel's insane. That's just ace. But AAA are a big company, and we forget how big they are. The presentation for this entire show is massive. Big rampway down to the ring, massive big screen, sponsorship on everything. In fact, it was actually quite distracting because the amount of sponsorship was on stuff. Because when they did to their hard cam shot, there was the six-sided ring because they used to have a deal with TNA and they liked the six-sided ring. Um, there was the six-sided ring at the bottom of the screen just so they could fit in the two massive screen with the sponsors of each match on it, which is hilarious. But they must have made a fortune from those. Like, oh hey, yeah, you could have an advert playing the entire show if you pay us a lot of money. Yeah, it's insane. I kept getting distracted because I kept seeing LA Park in an advert. (laughs) (laughs) Is he currently with Karen? I was gonna say it looked like some sort of Lucha Collectible star or something. I was just Karen. Sorry, I didn't mean to keep running over you. No, because <laughs> with all the um, entrance videos sort of having like motion capture shots of the people in them, I was just expecting LA Park to come out at any moment. I'm like, oh shit, is LA Park coming out? No, no, he wasn't there. And this is the thing, like AAA's got such a massive roster, there was a bunch of main event stars that weren't anywhere near the show. There were entire factions that weren't on this show. And then it wasn't a bad show. There was plenty of stuff going on without them. So there you go. <laughs> Slightly bizarre, but there you go. Yeah. Oh, of course, traditionally, Astro Triple Mania always uh, does. It opens with um, uh, Lady Pena, uh, the um, mother of Antonio Pena, who uh, has the urns of the Pena family, which I always find slightly maudlin at ringside. <laughs> And now they've done her a graphic sat next to the urns of the family, uh, which is even perhaps another step above. But I mean, I'm not understanding Mexican tradition and culture, so I'll be quiet about it. But it does seem a bit odd to me. But, you know, I one should dot judge. Um, and yeah, uh, anywho, we'll move on to the second match, which was a, uh, a Copa Bahidi match, or a Cybernetico as they're called in Mexico. It was a Rambo, wasn't it, really? It was a big battle royal thing um, with um, kind of Royal Rumble-esque bits to it where you could apparently get eliminated by going over the top rope, being pinned or submitted like you can do in Japan. And like some idiot did, if you jumped off the top rope to the floor, you were also uh, eliminated. At least two people did that. You just thought after the first time it happened, so they'd stop doing it. But you fired up. <laughs> Miss Diaz Jr. Oh, do you want to do this? Because you do like doing the uh, the the battle royal um, lists. Or would you want me to do it? I don't mind taking that. So we had Mr. Iguana defeating Aramis, Arginis, Carter Brava Jr., Drago, Mamba, 
Macho Cota Jr., Mysterious Jr., El Nino Ambergesa, Pimpinella Escarata, Tito Santana, and Villano the Third Jr. There you go. Um, and it was it was a fun twelve man Rambo, and a bunch of stuff happened that I just didn't understand that went off. Um, there there appears to be um, a bit of a um, feud going on between the Exoticos, Pimpinella Escalata, and uh, I think it's our GNS, isn't it? Or, yes. yes, there's a bit, a bit of stuff going on there. Hamburger Boy is no longer Hamburger Boy. He's now Hamburgesser and wildly, wildly popular. I think he also may have been Hulk. I think um, Murder Clown was Hulk. Was he? I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's quite odd because the only other place I've really seen Hamburger is Zona Twenty Three, and it's very very weird seeing him jump onto cars and then just all of a sudden he's just back in like a normal ring. It was just very very surreal to me yes it's all a bit odd this match and mr iguana again very very popular young man who's an iguana um and carries an iguana to the ring to him very popular winner in fact the trophy he won may have actually been bigger than he was it certainly weighed more than he did he tried balancing it on his head and he couldn't (laughs) (laughs) and then he got the shit kicked out of him yes Yes, uh, bizarrely, Samson, Kotaro, Forest, and Forestella Samson, who were, up until last week, one of the biggest heel factions in CMLL, turned up in AAA on the biggest show of the year. Which, to be honest, if you're going to do anything, you're going to do that. Uh, they instantly formed a, um, uh, a faction, a larger faction, with La Impressa, and they beat up Mr. Iguana, which was mean and uncalled for, in my opinion. Um, Samson is uh, one of the descendants of the uh, back in back when I first started watching Lucha Libre with Cien Caras and Mascarano 2000 and Universo 2000 Junior. He's of that family, hence the masks look very similar to those three particular wrestlers. Essentially, they're the hired gun bad guys that come in, and when you you know you need proper top line heels, they're it. Having looked around at some of the Lucha accounts, um, they did comment, "Well, they've been rubbish in CMLL for the last two years. Let's hope they can pick things up by moving here." So we'll see what happens. But there you go. That was the first big story of Triple Mania, and the first big surprise. And uh, it went on for about twenty minutes. Yes, nothing on this card was not given its due. <laughs> Let's be honest, it all had time to breathe. Yeah. Arguably too much time to breathe, and some things should not have been allowed to breathe at all. Actually, However, I think some, of the, some of the things that cracked me up was um, with the Marvel match, the entrances lasted longer than the match itself. Yes. <laughs> 12 minutes and 23 seconds for that match. But the actual entrances was probably about 20 minutes because there was a lot of people and they all got individual 
entrances because obviously you're introducing Marvel characters in a modern way, so you kind of got to do it so you know who's who is who and kind of telegraph what's going on. So that was intriguing. <laughs> and the cybernetica was 18 minutes and 35 seconds. Bro, what happened in that 18 minutes and 35 seconds? There was a lot of big moves. Um, I was happy with Pimpy. I always like seeing her. She's cool. Um, yeah, Drago was good, as he always is. There was, I mean, there was a couple of highlights, but there was nothing to particularly to write on about apart from Iguana winning, I don't think. It was just nice, again, sort of opening card, like, fun. Like, yes. a way to bring a lot of the big names, some faction warfare, and a lot of high-flying to... Plus, you had um, Octagon Jr., just at commentary swearing at people. <laughs> which you can't go wrong with. No, no. It, for those of you who don't know, Octagon Jr. is not the son of Octagon. Okay. Octagon Jr. is the wrestler that has taken the Octagon character because AAA owned the rights to Octagon. Octagon Sr. wanted nothing to do with him and has his own El Hijo da Octagon. Because this is the kind of thing that happens in Lucha Libre all the time. So they can't take the rights of Octagon away from Octagon because he's Octagon. But they didn't they didn't actually uh, secure the rights for Octagon Jr. until Octagon had come up with Octagon Hel- Hijo del Octagon, who now works for another company. Despite the fact Octagon was a t- Antonio Pena invention in the early 90s. I hope that's clear. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to perhaps the first dream match of the evening. There was a couple of dream matches on this card. Diana Perazzo, the Impact Knockouts champion, uh, accompanied by Lady Maravilla, de- defeated Fabia Pache, the Reina Stares champion, uh, the Queen of Queens champion, who was accompanied by Lady Shani, which is quite remarkable because two years ago, Fabio Apache was on the receiving end of a rather sharp haircut because of Lady Shani, which we commentated on me and myself and Chelsea were doing coverage on that year's Triple Mania. Um, so obviously turned uh, rude, turned Technicos, buried the hatchet, moved on, and is now feuding with Diana Parazzo over the top two titles in women's wrestling in North America outside the WWE, arguably the top two titles women wrestling in North America. <laughs> um, yeah, this was pretty good. Um, it suffered from a duff ending um, because the referee is clearly in love with Diana Perazzo. Um, that was kind of the angle and was protecting her at all costs, uh, which is a bit of a worry. Shorter than everything else on the card. Yeah, this should have been about 10 minutes longer and it would have had, it would have had a chance to breathe, but the actual match itself was pretty good. It wasn't as good as these two could com- come up with. But if they if it was a it was a if it was a show built around them and this championship, it would have been longer and it would have been a better match because these two were like you know so good. Um, and Parazzo is arguably the best woman wrestler in North America now. Um, certainly most visible. She wrestles a main event style. She's just really really good. She has got the psychology down. This arrogant heel belt collector. Is actually probably more effective in that role than Kenny Omega in many senses. I just like what she does very, very much. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, this was great. Neither one was really holding back. It was kind of an all, like all cylinders go for 
from the get-go, a lot of sort of shenanigans. Lady Maravilla being a total tool for most of the match. It was just, if you're going to have like a shenanigans match, this is the way to do it. Because they're almost like continuous just shenanigans. It's like, yep, I've got this person at ringside. They're going to continuously mess with you. The ref's on my side. You've got no chance here. And then, of course, you remember Fabio Apache's on the other side of the ring and she still kicks the shit out of everyone, including the ref. <laughs> it's just... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, for those of you who don't know, Fabio Apache is known to give an ass whooping from a time or two because she was trained by Aja Khan and Mariko Yoshida in um, Arceon some 22 years ago. And she's been pretty angry about it ever since. But yeah, this was just good fun. Again, it was a really good match, told a story, didn't drag on, and we got everything we needed from it. Though apparently Cage Match didn't like it. Yeah, only seven people voted. It's currently sitting at a 3.75 rating based on seven votes. Yeah, I don't think that's fair, to be honest. But the whole show is only a 5.17 rating. But I think it's because people aren't, like a lot of things, you kind of have to go with the style of what AAA is. It's a certain house style and it's a certain thing. And it doesn't match up with other things people expect. I don't look at this in the same eyes as I look at New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, you can't make the matches are like half the length. Yes. Well, I mean, I watched New Japan Resurgence today, which had technically better matches and technically better wrestlers on it from their style point of view but this was way more fun to watch and didn't have so, a 12 minute will <laughs> i didn't have a 12 minute will last break right on it which is obviously going to be a downer on everyone's day or a moose match in it so ah <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, well we'll talk about that next week <laughs> or later in this week at some point this week that's that's a joy to come anywho i've got to get around to actually watching the thing yeah, there's, there's some big developments on that show, um, specifically towards the G1. So we'll have to think about that. But we'll talk about that at the more appropriate time. Um, anywho, yes, Diana Parasso, where does she go from here? Because she's clearly the best wrestler in North America, arguably male or female. I mean, Impact, they've kind of like run out of people for her to wrestle, and now they're bringing people in, and they're going to go recycle Sue Young and uh, Princess Kimberly as undead people to make it worthwhile. So I think that's going to work. Um, and she's part of the NWA tournament for NWA 73, which is going to be good. Um, it's just, there's loads of stuff left to do with her, but she is just so good at the minute. And it is kind of like, the, the thing is, with runs like this, they eventually run out of steam because they've run out of people to wrestle. And then it doesn't, where do you call an end to it? Because she has to, you can't do it like the old days where she'd go to a different territory and call her off for a bit. She's on TV every week. And now she's got two championships to defend, unless she does an Omega and doesn't bother going back to AAA for six months. But yeah, what do you, where do you, where do you want to see Parasso go on Impact Wrestling? With Impact, it's just fun seeing her keep fighting people. It's like, as long as they find ways to keep making the opponents fresh, then I don't mind seeing the same match from a different perspective. 
it's like as I like the fact that they're working with the NWA at the moment because NWA has like one hell of a women's division. MLW supposed to be building a women's division, so there's always the potential she could head there. There's I'm still waiting on the forbidden door side of this to impact the women's division. Because imagine if like AW women started appearing. Yes, that's that's the thing. Yeah, Chelsea Green, not Chelsea Green, Jordan Grace pointed out that last week and then had to shut a Twitter account down because people kind of misread what she said. Um, And she was like, I want to see Diana Parasso versus uh, Brett Baker. And I think I think most people would like to see that, to be honest with you. And I think it'd kind of give the boost to both divisions um, if you had kind of a belt collector angle going on there. I think that would be intriguing. I have the funny mental image of like Diana saying she's beaten every demon because she's beaten Sue Young, she's beaten Rosemary, and then a badden just appears behind her and bites her. <laughs> just make me laugh. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do with that. I mean, there is probably AEW women going to be appearing at the NWA show. There's a crossover point. Chelsea Green works for Ring of Honor. You've got a Ring of Honor tournament. You know, perhaps they used to work for Ring of Honor. I think there's there's options for people to go do things. And um, that was interesting. Doug Williams says, today, why did people call it the forbidden door on Twitter? Mm. Back in the day, there was just a door. <laughs> and you went through it or you didn't. And someone pointed out that it was someone had misquoted a Tanahashi quote or Googled a Tanahashi quote wrong. That's why we got forbidden door. Um, which is perfectly reasonable kind of thing that happens all the time. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm just kind of intrigued as well as where they go with it. Obviously, Fabio Apache, kind of legendary status, she will be on back and be like nine times out of ten likely to be Renis the Reyes champion quite soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm not worried about her. But just Parasso is like she's about as good as it gets right now um, in the world of professional wrestling, and I'm intrigued to see what they do with her. Anywho, shall we move on? We've got another title match next. We have. In fact, it's, well, I was going to say it's nothing but titles, but it isn't because the next one isn't. The Triple A, oh, I can't, I can't pronounce it. The Triple A. Triple A World Tag Team Championships currently held by the Lucha Brothers continue to be held by the Lucha Brothers. They defeated Brian Cage and Torus, as well as La Hintes de Aya, that's El Hijo del Vinco, El Vinco, and the Laredo Kid. In 40 minutes and 29 seconds of a match that was essentially a bunch of stuff. And a bunch of stuff happened, but it's exactly the kind of bunch of stuff these three teams are really good at. To be honest, I didn't think Brian Cage would do much stuff with AAA, but he did pull double duty on this night, which is insane, because um, he's got an AEW contract. But I guess he's free to go work for them as much as they need him, really. Brian Cage seems to just do whatever the hell Brian Cage feels like. Because he, he appears at VXS pretty much every show as well, which is like a US indie. And it's just, yeah, he seems to be on a fairly loose sort of leash and just gets to enjoy doing what he does. I can imagine there were some um, intriguing conversations backstage because uh, about two years ago, Brian K just accused Sam Adonis, who was in the next match, of stealing his Trump supporter gimmick which he'd been doing in AAA for quite some time, then Sam Adonis started doing in CMR. Um, so that must have been fun. Um, but yeah, Didn't they came Sam back... Adonis get into a whole load of shit for that? 
Oh, yeah. But Sam Adonis walking into a whole load of shit is a fairly, you know, um, standard procedure. He was, he holds the record for getting fired by Rev Pro faster than any other wrestler ever. That's why he was sounding so familiar. Yes. He was the one that did a load of gay, he used a load of anti, uh, sorry, homophobic language in a promo in his debut on Rev Pro. Yes. And the crowd, and the crowd of Ref Pro, well, you know, they're Will Ospreay fans. They're not particularly known for being woke, but were not responsive to the idea of homophobic language being used in a promo. And a load of bunch of people asked for their money back. Um, and Sam did not read the room particularly well. Anywho, we'll talk about Sam in his match. Go back and going back to this match. This was this was just ace because it was just people flying everywhere. They have lots of bright flashing colours for 14 minutes and 29 seconds. Not a lot happened, but loads of stuff did. In my head, anyway. What did you think, John? Yeah, this is it. Matches like these are really hard to describe because there's like 30 moves in a single minute. And you're just like, holy shit, where the hell is everyone at now? Oh, they're over there. Oh, they're flying. Oh, he's flying. Oh, he's just dropped someone on the head. Oh, 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 God. It's like trying to follow just a continuous... Imagine if an airplane was trapped in a bloody pinball table. That's kind of how... You could describe matches like this, and they're bloody awesome. Like, I love the fact that we've now had Marvel and DC on the show because we had Joker Pentagon. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not not so sure that was as legal as the Marvel one, but carry on. You don't have the Lucha Brothers there just keeping everything together because, like, Los Gintes de la Air were there trying to sort of just massacre Brian Cage and Taurus. The champs was just like, hang on a sec, you're forgetting us, are you? <laughs> really fun. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a blast. It was just, it, yeah, it was just helpful. Leather go, go, go for 14 minutes, and occasionally you just need that to liven up a show. And I was well into that. Um, not everybody else was against the cage match guys have not given it a rating, but it's only been up for a few hours, so give them time. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously Lucha Brothers are still one of, if not the best tag team in the world. Um, that's a strong thing to say, actually. There's lots of really cool tag teams about these days. Um, and there were some things said on the New Japan show today, but we'll talk about the New Japan show tomorrow because you haven't seen it yet. And I don't want to spoil it. But... So um, yeah, it was it was just good. And not all else you can say about it because... It wasn't really a feud, it was just a title match, it just kind of happens and it moves on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's like a fireworks display. It's amazing at the time, but like the next day life goes on. Yes. And you see that that's the thing. The last three matches have previous and consequences. So these are more important. Whereas like the the other stuff kind of just kind of like happened <laughs> that's not fair on the other stuff because some of it was good stuff like Parasu and Apache they've been building up to for quite some time uh Parasu went down to Mexico to cut a promo on uh, uh Apache if you like last month to kind of build the match up and she's been appearing on AAA TV whereas um you know this just kind of happened and there's nothing wrong with it it happened for a good reason and it was fine well, let's move on to something that was a lot more important in terms of the history of AAA. La Empresa, the Enterprise, which features DMT Azul, 
Puma King and Sam Adonis defeated Chessman, Murder Clown and Pagano in 10 minutes and 41 seconds. Pagano turned on Chessman, or Chessman turned on Pagano, depending on which way you look at it, when they kind of had a mix-up in the middle of the match. They were defending the honour of AAA and went over to see Madame Pena before the match started to honour Antonio and the greats of the past and then went into this match with these awful, awful capitalistic hoodlums who are trying to take over AAA. And then had a bit of a corker, to be honest. Um, and a bit of a squib ending because of the turn. But what was your thoughts on this, John? Well, it's got Pagano in it, so I automatically love it. Like, <laughs> I, I have 100% Pagano biased. He's just like a joy to watch and probably certifiably insane based on the things I've seen him do in matches. But yeah, this this was a nice little plunder match. It's sort of heavier on the weaponry, big on this sort of grudge between Team AAA and La Empresa. And it's weird seeing Puma King as a heel. I don't think I've ever seen Puma King as a villain before. No, but that's kind of like, these things only work if you have a big baby face become a big Rios in this particular sense. Like, the biggest angles AAA ever run in the early days was when Conan turned Rudos. When he was a ba- when he was a Technicos, they did fine. But when he became a Rudos, they really did. The money started pouring in. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, how dare you betray us? And again, when Eddie Guerrero, he was the next biggest Rudos drawer in the company when he turned uh, after betraying his family's legacy. If that helps as well. Betraying family legacy. We'll talk about that a bit later. That is foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's all about, like, that's what is, gets the big reactions in Mexico, historically speaking. The biggest reaction from any crowd I ever heard anywhere was when El Higio Del Santo turned Rudos in 1993 in CMLL. Because he was... And they had to, because he was a person who got divorced in a Catholic country. So there was no way he was going to remain as popular as he was. So the only way he would continue to be a draw was to turn Rudos. And it was like a riot kind of feel about the place. Like he, t- when crowds turned dark, it was like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, Puma King becoming a Rudos is not necessarily bad for business. Um, you know, and Azul and Sam Adonis are just the jerks to get him over with it. Yeah, this this was just fun. Again, fun. It was a bit sloppy, a bit rough around the edges, but at the end of the day, it's supposed to be like sloppy. A, yeah, it's a six man blood feud. It's like yeah, just let them fight. Also, oh, we should mention Chessman and Murder Clown were damn good too. This was a six way. Uh, good match for us of us. Murder Clown has the slowest 619 in wrestling history. I'm all for that. When your opponent does a high flying move really slowly, that's ace. <laughs> so I, like, uh, I love oh. the fact the chess man was going around with the bloody Cobra Commander logo on his bodysuit. Yeah, and on his chest, <laughs> and on his cape as well, I think, too. <laughs> We've got G.I. Joe, DC, Marvel. Why not? <laughs> Where's he from originally? I'm just looking up Chessman. 
as I'm looking at it. Oh, he was trained by Al Kanak and Pepe Casas. Uh, that's intriguing. Pepe Casas is, um, this used to be the AAA lead referee, and his the dad to heavy metal and um, oh, Negro Casas. So there you go. But yeah, no, this was fun. And unfortunately for AAA, Lone Presser win. So that's not good. Um, I don't know the significance of that in the long-term story, but I'm guessing they're trying to take over, as many factions have done in the past. And it's never quite worked out. (laughs) Putting Pagano and Chessman on the same team anyway, they don't like each other. They never have. That's the problem, you see. I mean, at least this is one thing I was talking about, like, with the alternatives. It's about detail, isn't it? Like, um, like Pagano and um, Chessman have a past. And it's like, it's not forgotten, like Lady Shani, sorry, Lady Apache and Lady Shani's past has been forgotten to be able to get them over to this point. But, you know, that, that I kind of like that. Devil's in the details. I like the fact that, you know, they're being realistic about a relationship two people who don't genuinely like each other is going to get, or as far as they're going to get. So, yes. Uh, just to point, and I want to point this out, the uh, commentators was Jose Manuel Quilletan and Hugo Stefanovic. Now, let me tell you, there is not a man on God's green earth who is ever as excited as Hugo Savanovic was throughout this entire card. It was like listening to somebody, I hate to say this, but having their prostate prostate massage whilst doing lines of coke between speaking. (laughs) Honest to God, it was complete euphoria for three hours. And you know how much I dislike Hugo Savanovic's commentary because he was responsible for Hot Night by the Moon, the uh, 1988 WCC commentary uh, from Puerto Rico that me and Dara watched and we were aghast in horror as to how terrible it was. And I would like to point out, in the 32, three, 33 years that have passed, Hugo has got even more excited. I was slightly scared he was going to pass out. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry for putting that image of uh, a middle-aged man having that done to him. It's not but me that says the weird stuff. It's not. No. Uh, this this just this just had to be. It's because I was on the Wrestling Rewind last week, and those guys do love their cop jokes. However, uh. <laughs> I'm not bringing it here, but that's exactly what it sounded like. It was just euphoric, orgasmic excitement for three solid hours. I was just reminded of that very famous football commentator whose name always escapes me. Uh, the one who like literally dies every time someone scores a goal. Coleman, what it used to be. I know, I know you mean, but yeah. The Eric something? I can't remember. But that's that's who I was getting reminded of. Every time I heard brutal, I was just like, I didn't look that brutal, but sure, we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> I'd rather have that type of energy than a commentator who sounds like he's contemplating suicide behind the booth. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, the, the actual commentary itself, well, I do not speak Spanish, and compared to Hugo, he put them out of English in as well. It, it's, it was fine. It was great. It was 
better than what I expected because I could follow the flow of what I was supposed to be excited about and what I wasn't supposed to be excited about. So that was good. Bearing in mind, this, this was the annoying thing was, I, I'm sorry I keep comparing it to the New Japan show I watched, which we can't talk about yet. But I watched the New Japan show, which was three minutes behind Fight TV. So I knew everything that happened whilst looking at my Twitter feed whilst watching the show, which was really annoying. <laughs> so, but the Japanese commentary on that is kind of like at my cadence. I know when things are going to go. So I wanted a smooth experience that wasn't going to jar me. And once I got over the sheer orgasmic delight Hugo has in Lucha Libre, um, everything flowed the way it should do. Except for the beginning of the next match, because when he heard Ric Flair's music, well, the excitement just went off the charts, poor Hugo. Um, I don't think they let him in on the fact Ric Flair was going to be there. No, I don't think so. And he did have a sex week at that point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, bless him. Hugo, we love you. Um, but yes, uh, at least verbally, that's what he sounded like. Anyway. <laughs> so yes, moving on to the semi-main event. Kenny Omega, the uh, triple A mega champion, defended his belt successfully against Andrade. Omega had Conan in his corner, which was a bit strange considering a month ago uh conan offered to help omega and don Callis said no don't do that he's just a bottom feeder and that's the night before the show um obviously upset having lost the impact world title to christian conan came up with a plan to keep the mega championship which apparently worked <laughs> but andrade not being one to be undone employed the services of his father-in-law nature boy rick flair in a match that was 24 minutes and 22 seconds long. Now, it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. I know there were cool bits in it, but this was not one of Omega or Andrade's greatest matches. What's your thoughts on this, John? Because this was a match that seemed to have more moving parts than was perhaps required. Yeah. It, um, see, before I sat down to watch this, I'd seen like the GIFs and the clips of the fact Ric Flair was there. And I was just kind of like, huh. That's something I didn't expect to happen. And it's, yeah, it's one of these matches where the spectacle of it seems to actually overtake the match itself. Because you're sort of like, oh shit, I'm watching Kenny Omega fight Andrade in Mexico City with Conan and Ric Flair. And oh shit, Conan and Ric Flair are now fighting too. What is this? And <laughs> I don't know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was it managed to hold my interest better than I expected it to just because of the pace it was going and the fact that it was sort of it was a lot more of a technical match than anything we'd seen so far bar Parazzo and Fabi so it was mm. yeah it was it was a very drastic tone shift considering the match before it had two murderous clowns and Cobra Commander trying to fight <laughs> the honour of the company it's just like Huh. And people keep laughing at the fact this wasn't the main event, but as we've sort of talked about looking at old school Lucha stuff, it's like titles barely ever are the main event. No, it's it's like, it's all right. Yeah, it's only two of the biggest wrestling um, names in the history of North American wrestling of the last 15 years. 
Well, they're not going to make an event a show that's got a mask versus hair match on it, are they? God, no. This isn't the money match on the show. Uh, there has been some conjecture from old Meltzy boy since that AEW um, called in their uh, creative control and asked for Kenny Omega not to lose the championship to Andrade, having just lost the Impact Wrestling Championship to Christian. And there's a whole bunch of stuff with that because, like, I don't get why he, you wouldn't have him lose. It seems like the perfect chance. He's broken up about one title loss. Have him lose another instead of dragging it out further. Because you're going to make him look more incompetent down the line when he loses it to someone else. There is also the point that AAA fans are sick of Kenny Omega as mega champion because they never get to see their championship defended on their, on their shows. And this, like we said, there's plenty of other people in AAA to have fun with. This this show barely scratched the surface of their entire roster, and you know it was still a bunch of fun anyway. So it, it's just like Kenny. I think this is the thing. Whereas like Kenny Omega in Impact Wrestling, his trips there, he's a vital part of the show and he's a vital part of wrestling. And obviously in AEW, he's a vital part of the company. Whereas in Triple A, he's just another guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, even even from watching this just this one show, he's just another guy. Which sounds really amazing that he's just another guy. But he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. This doesn't make for bad wrestling or bad TV. But he is just another guy. And Andrade as well looked kind of like... It was nice to have the big Los Ignorables intro and the whole thing with the suit and everything like that. But again, you know he's not the top dog on this particular day. There will the day come when he's the biggest drawer and he's the ace of the company, and that's fine. But today was about different things. And so this match kind of got overshadowed for that. And there's not anything wrong with it. It's just that it wasn't as good, perhaps, as people were expecting it to be. To be fair, the match got overshadowed by the fact Rick Bloody Flair was there. Yeah. And, and the to fact be fair, what, a bloody ring. Oh, it's also the point that Conan was there. You know, Conan is still one of the biggest names in Lucha Libre history. Ric Flair is arguably the biggest name in all of wrestling history, certainly the last 40 years. And Ric Flair turning up uh, for his first official appearance at a Lucha Libre event. Apparently, he went to the CMLL show in 1992, the anniversary show, as part of an NWA deal or like in the late 80s. But a rival promoter like um, said he didn't have a work visa, so he got banned from the show. <laughs> um, so there's that. <laughs> there's been like rumours that Ric Flair wants to wrestle again, and I swear to God, if Triple A book him against Conan, then they're gonna sell out the stadium. I don't think Conan will be that interested. He can barely walk. <laughs> that's that's what I mean. It's. I'm trying to think of anyone they could book Flair against that would be able to sort of look after him greatly. Yeah. Adonis is probably the best guy for that kind of thing. It just it's so it's such a surreal thing to think. Ric Flair is now working in Mexico temporarily. Like you wouldn't have thought that like two years ago. It's no, you wouldn't. Also with the blessing of Charlotte Flair. I'm not sure if she was backstage. In fact, if she was backstage, I think things might cause her some problems with her boss back home. However, there were pictures of Andrade, Rick, and Charlotte released today. So I'm wondering. Mm, anywho. 
Yeah. With Kona. Charlotte's happy with WWE anyway, so. No. You might but be I... One of the people is just like, right, let's cause chaos so they don't rehire me. <laughs> hey, it worked for Sasha. She went over to hang out with Maker Satamora and do some training at the Sendai Girls just for a change when she had her time off. <laughs> <laughs> they got her back quick and then hired Maker Satamora. So, you know, these things can now happen. NXT UK looks like it might be on the rocks. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? There was another conversation this morning. We've got so much to talk about with this New Japan show, but we'll talk about that another day because you haven't watched it yet. We'll keep talking about this. I'm excited to talk about stuff. And let's go to the main event. Psycho Clown defended his mask successfully against Ray Scorpion, who unsuccessfully defended his hair. Uh, Psycho Clown was accompanied by Goya Kong, and Escapion was accompanied by Solana Los Mesalanos, Taurus, and Le Hydra, which becomes more important when you realize that Goya Kong is actually Psycho Clown's sister. And they are both the children of Super Porky, who sadly passed away last week. So this match was booked a long time ago. This is what they build to every year. They kind of figure out a storyline for the main event of Triple Mania. It's going to be Mask versus Hair. And they work around that. Okay, so uh, these members of the Alvarado wrestling family, um, Jose Alvarado Nieves, with which there was a very touching tribute to him before this match started, along with all the great luchadors and uh, backroom staff that passed away from AAA down the years, uh, there was a big um, tribute to all of them. Um, Psycho Clown and Goya Kong are her uh, brother and sister, they're his children. Um, and Escorpion starts with his platitudes towards Porky and then attacked Psycho Clown with the portrait of Super Porky he'd just been uh, presented with. And that's the way the match died off. Now, arguably, Super Porky would have been highly offended if his death had not been used in an angle to further a wrestling promotion, because that's the way Lucha Libre works. Nothing is literally sacred in AAA. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of an intriguing, though somewhat upsetting for those people who don't know the score, kind of way to start a show. And what was really strange was Goya Kong turned on her own brother, with a low blow finish towards the end, which distracted Psycho Clown, but did not keep him from the wing. So not only did they destroy a picture of his father, just after the tribute to that, his own sister also turned Rudos on him, which is a lot to take in, really, isn't it? John? It's, it's quite the cluster. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's kind of what you expect from a main event like this, because it's like you want to keep everyone hooked for the 23 minutes that it lasts. So you throw in twists, turns, weapon spots, light tubes, blood, mask, tearing. It's, yeah. It was a very soap opera-ish way to conduct a match. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. It was, it, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the actual match. No one's voted on that one yet either. And I'm wondering if because just because it hasn't got any North American names in it. Like Psycho kind of sorry, no, that's not that I shouldn't say that. US names in it. Because Mexico's in North America, obviously, but Psycho Clown and Ray Scorpion are not known particularly well outside of Mexico. Oh, Psycho um, Clown is. Yeah, on the indie circuit, but not like W not like Impact AEW kind of level, is he? I suppose. So 
you know, actually Murder Clan spent more time in Impact Wrestling than Psycho Clown has. So, you know, um, but Psycho Clown is the big ace in AAA. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it was good. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a kind of fun brawl. And no DQ as these things tend to be because it's really, really high stakes and the crowd were really into it, weren't they? Yeah, especially when the body started flying at them. <laughs> yeah. There was so much chaos in this match. Like, I love it because it's, it's just plunder wrestling with high stakes, Lucha Libre, interferences, story beats, light tubes, blood. To be fair, Psycho Clown didn't really defend his mask so much as it was torn half off his head. This is the thing. It's like you look at Lucha Libre masks. They're, they're made in a certain way, so the top comes off easily. So you can peel off the top without revealing the face, which mm. I think is really cool because it's a good device for them watching people bleed. It's also <laughs> quite was... entertaining because obviously Psycho Clown's mask has a mohawk and stuff, so it's like one of those like art prints where they just give like an anime picture, hyper-realistic eyes or something. <laughs> also, nice touch, landing your bleeding forehead square in the referee's sh- white shirt and then dragging yeah, that, your face down it. That, that was like, clever. That was, that was, that was um, kind of uh, Scorsese-esque use of blood, to be honest with you. It's, yeah, yeah. People, I saw people shitting on this match because it was like, as I said, it's a plunder bout, but again, it's when it's a hyper personal blood feud story, you're not there for precision. You're there for carnage and fighting. Oh, like, there was plenty of that. <laughs> it's because as we've sort of gone through these like classic lucha shows, you notice the trend never really changes. Like, no. It's, same structure, same type of story, same match orders, and you always end with the big dramatic year-long story. And it's usually mask versus hair. Well, this is the thing. The one me and Ben Spindler looked at from CMLL in 93 was was early this year. I had the same layout. Big, fun, opening six-man tag. um, Put a pointless match in the middle. Light heavyweight championship just before the end, hair versus hair main event. You know, and like literally 30 years later, they're still doing the same thing, more or less. Yeah, because it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And what makes money in Mexico is hair and mask matches. That's that's what does. It just just is. That's what Lucha Libre fans want, is someone being humiliated in a ritual and expensive manner. Your mask and your hair are worth more than any title. Yes. Essentially, um, uh, who is it? Uh, Atlantis has made his career as a mask collector. He's had more mask versus mask matches than anyone else and has never lost and collects the masks of all the people he's defeated. You know, and that's his, that's his legacy as a wrestler. He'll probably never lose his mask now. I think he's in his like 40th year or something like that. <laughs> Still going now. Um, Either that or yeah. lose it to the person he wants to carry on his legacy. Exactly. Though it doesn't necessarily have to be his junior or whatever, just the person he thinks is the next generation of him. 
or a work promoted things as the next generation of him. So yeah, it's uh, it, it, it was an interesting main event certainly, and it was an interesting guy. What's your thoughts overall on Triple Mania, John? See, Triple Mania has gotten the reputation for being the sort of Botchamania special edition episode, and oftentimes you'll you'll go into it expecting car crashes and craziness and yeah you got car crashes and craziness here but this was a solid wrestling show like it was in it was built nicely structured nicely all the matches offered something fun or entertaining or interesting sure the main events were a bit of a drag at times but i can't really complain about this i'd rather watch a 23 minute car crash than a 40 minute drag out fight yeah that's it i I enjoyed this i i love the mix of sort of lucha hardcore and just outright craziness i think that's the thing it is like there's plenty of stuff there's always going to be something on a triple a show you're going to find fun whether it's a technical clinic like parasso and apache or whether it's big name dream match like andrade and omega or just a nice fun family friendly opening match or some violence, if you want some violence. There is, they are truly a variety show within their style, yes, but it's still a variety show of wrestling, and that's what makes it work. Also, big house as well. How many people were there? Let's have a look. It doesn't actually say on that one. Does it say on this one? It just says live. Don't give me a. Don't give me a a thing. Arena Quida, Mexico is a. Doesn't tell me. I will look it up and find out whether what the um seating says but yeah it's it was a big place and they filled it and they had a big set and it's like big style wrestling you know what i mean it's like what wrestling's supposed to be like you know oh uh, excellent this is in spanish <laughs> just try to follow oh, no there's google translate has come to save me i just want to know what the capacity is this page could not be translated well thanks lads Mexico City Arena, Wikipedia. Thank you. Uh, oh God. My, my Chromebook has started doing things weirdly. Like you click on something and it'll send you to the Yahoo version of the search instead of the Google version of the search. Twenty-two thousand three hundred. That's a lot of people. I don't think they had twenty-two thousand in there though, did they? Really? It was probably some sort of COVID warning. So let's say ten thousand. That's still a fair few. Yeah, they even held it there last year, believe it or not, without an audience. Um, but yeah, uh, they've they've held it there for the last nine years since 2012. There you go. And UFC have put on flights there as well too in the past, but not since 2019. Anywho. But yeah, no, it was it was a good show. It was solid, and I strongly recommend it. It's a good three hours of your life. You will not question your existence. And you get to listen to Hugo Savanovich being incredibly happy. Who just thought wrestling anal probe exists? It is. It, it does, and it's AAA. And the joy of lucha and good drugs is what keeps Hugo going. I like the fact he was not ashamed to check his Twitter feed whilst doing commentary. He's on camera, gets his iPhone out, flicking through his Twitter feed while all the other blokes talking. 
that is unashamed and unabashed unprofessionalism of the highest order. I salute you, sir. <laughs> uh, but there you go. <laughs> right then, we might be back midweek if we've watched New Japan Resurgence. Um, or John has, more to the point, because I have. It's all right. We'll talk about that later at a different time. In the meantime, John, where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at Twitter profile John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will give you access to my writings, my opinions, my tweets, and yeah, just general opinions on anything. Usually laughing at other people being idiots. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can find me at True uh, True Penny Show. No, you can't. You find me at Sheriff Lonestar. You find the show at Troopany Show and on Facebook with Troopany Show and on Patreon where you can keep the Troopany Show. I'm now speaking everything in a Spanish accent and on Patreon and on Patreon where you can keep the show free forever for everyone. We'll be back either later in the week with a midweek special to keep us caught up on New Japan Pro Wrestling or we'll be back next Monday. Or we'll I'll definitely have a show next Monday, wherever it is. But in the meantime, take care and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.